0: Hello, heroes, and welcome to another informative episode of Critical Success. I'm James D'Amato, your Game Master. Despite the holidays and all the work I'm doing on Epiphany, I really do hope to crank out two of these a month. Let's dive right in with a deceptively simple question that comes from James McGee. Maps and tiles, yay or nay? James, I can tell from your name alone that you are very handsome and intelligent. It may surprise you to learn that I don't have very strong opinions about minis. Tabletop RPGs are extremely subjective. The only hard and fast rule in roleplaying is that kobolds are awesome. Everything else, like minis, graph paper, elaborate tile pieces, digital tabletops, and having fun are just a small part of the experience. It feels like there are a lot of strong emotions surrounding these approaches because of addition wars. Now, unlike a lot of OD&D grognards, I started gaming relatively late in life. I don't have any kind of nostalgia for the way games used to be, or the way I did things as a kid. I also never really got into tabletop wargaming, so I don't long for aspects of it when I'm roleplaying. Conversely, I didn't have to sit through years of mathematically abstracted, dry play before I got to play for story. I may not have had good rules for the choices I was making with the diplomacy skill... And Kat and I were probably derailing Steven's game when we started up 20-minute-long roleplay sessions while our characters were on watch, but I absolutely got what I needed out of the story experience for traditional games. Getting my first taste of story gaming was revelatory, but it didn't drive me to want to throw out all I had grown to love in traditional RPGs, since it was totally possible to story game in a system that was not designed for story gaming. There are lots of reasons to like minis and tiles. For one thing, they can help you play longer. And by that, I mean they will mentally make the idea of playing the game for an extended period of time more enjoyable. Stopping the improv moments in RP to play out the weird game of chess that is D&D combat creates a difference in kind. A new challenge which diehard Critical Success listeners know makes a game more interesting by changing the type of play. This allows players to rest up their creative brains and challenge their tactical brains. Maps and minis also add a tactile dimension to the experience of play. I use minis and tiles when I play Dungeon World with my off-mic group, simply because it makes it easier for folks to remember where they are and picture the battle in their minds. But it can run even deeper than that. If you hearken back to your schoolyard days, you'll remember playing Spider-Man is way different than playing Spider-Man using an action figure. The physical totem of a playpiece can connect you to the fiction. After visiting the Chicago Botanical Gardens, Kat and I briefly looked into the cost of bonsai plants because the bonsai displays at the Botanical Gardens looked like scenes pulled right out of The Hobbit. The idea of moving hand-painted miniatures across rolling hills made of moss and battling orcs between trees that towered over our characters spoke to something very deep within our souls. Plus, many of these games were built for minis, so leaving them out means you're only playing part of the game. As I say all the time, wargaming runs deep in the blood of D&D. There is a lot of tactical fun to be had if you give it a chance. I hear constantly that there are so many useless items in d and and I can assure you many of those items are extremely useful if you are actually playing d d Of course, there are plenty of play experiences you straight-up can't have if you use minis and tiles. I'm not talking about the die-hard story game argument that it slows things down. I'll get to that in a minute. I'm talking about the pure, terrifying joy of mapping out a crawl on graph paper. Once, when I was in college, someone ran a second-ed game for me. He was an older fellow who grew up in the boom times of TSR. I had only ever played 3.5, so when he asked us who was going to be Map Keeper, I was totally baffled. He described the dungeon to us, while our cleric studiously tracked our progress on a piece of graph paper. I thought it was a cool experience. Having to do our own cartography added a really great level of immersion to the game. However, I didn't really get the appeal until our rogue missed a fire trap and the GM rolled behind his screen and asked the cleric to surrender her map because she had lost it in the fire. We were suddenly in a sprawling dungeon filled with danger around every corner, with a few days of rations and no idea how to get out. It was awesome. We ate a goblin. Digital tabletops have expanded the way tiles can be used. You can have a similar experience on Roll20 using their Fog of War feature. But again, that's only a similar experience. It's not the same thing. My favorite game of all time, Feng Shui, specifically advises against minis because they take the fast-paced world of kung fu films and slow them down to a tableau. Jumping a motorcycle onto a moving train and ditching it to lie flat seconds before the train goes through a tunnel loses some of the oomph when you have to count the number of spaces you move to see if that's even possible, knowing that the train won't enter the tunnel until your next turn anyway. Different groups have different feelings about this sort of thing. There are no easy answers. You have to feel out the aspects of play your specific group enjoys and weigh them against what game you're playing and even what story you're trying to tell that session. If you have a group that loves to fight, look at the player types you have in the group. Heads who like fighting generally thrive on mini games. Having a clear environment can help a head use all of the most finicky and bullshit rules in the system to their advantage. Heads love to find ways to manipulate combat to overcome impossible odds or win a crushing victory. Minis aid that by expanding the field of play and defining tactics. Hearts who like to fight are into it for the sheer rush of being badasses and watching their HP move up and down. Minis could help them visualize their domination of the battle, or they can slow down the visceral glee of chopping up lizard men. Most of the time, hearts won't mind adding minis to play. X-Factors are, generally speaking, a mixed bag. Like the heart, there is no way to guarantee that they will love or hate minis. However, they will probably feel one of those two things love or hate skewed slightly towards hate in my experience x-factors love to mess with stuff and that becomes more difficult when you start nailing down aspects of the world an x-factor generally plays by taking in the story and becoming fixated on a moment or idea they have if the rules for movement or the lack of chandeliers to swing on means their idea won't work then their opportunity for fun is sort of thrown out the window However, some X-Factors like to work within rules frameworks to bring things crumbling down around them. Minis can be an inspirational boon that helps them create the next batshit crazy idea like cutting down sails to blind enemy pirates, or sundering the barrel rack to send a Donkey Kong-esque flow of barrels onto their foes. I suggest everyone try a pen and graph paper dungeon crawl at least once. I suggest this in the same way I suggest everyone play a story game. In some circles, the od crowd has a bad reputation, and that mostly comes from opinionated folks who are extremely guilty of arguing on the internet. There are many artifacts of play that have fallen out of favor in new editions and systems that are actually really valuable. The fact is, people would never have played these sorts of games if they were not fun. So my advice to my story gaming listeners is to get an old module, get some graph paper, and some alcohol. Be sure to track rations, light sources, encumbrance, environmental conditions, and alignment, and map out the dungeon. If you're frightened of OD&D's complexity, you can use Dungeon World as your base game. Just don't lose all that crazy bookkeeping. I will be shocked if you don't have fun with it. As always, talk about things you are going to introduce before and after to make sure you understand how everyone feels about them. If someone loves play-aids and someone hates them, don't freak out. You can generally find a balance. Maybe you only need to map out boss encounters. Maybe you just need to bend the rules when someone has a really good idea. So there you go, James. I hope I've muddled the issue to the point that asking the question doesn't make sense anymore. And with that, I think that's quite enough to think about for this week. I will see you next time on Critical Success. If you like the show, be sure to follow us on Twitter at OneShotRPG, like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash OneShotPod, check us out on Tumblr at OneShotPodcast.tumblr.com, or leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Both OneShot and Critical Success have iTunes pages that you can check out. And if you love the wonderful things we do on One Shot and the interesting advice we offer on Critical Success, be sure to check out that in action on the Campaign Podcast, Podcast, which is our sister podcast run by cat Murphy critical success is a joint production between 10 penny press and peaches and hot sauce peaches and hot sauce is a chicago-based comedy network with tons of great articles videos and podcasts for you to check out at peaches sauce.com finally that music which is right now swelling up over my voice is be your own pet with adventure courtesy of infinity cat records See you next time, heroes.